Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we are live! Woo! Welcome to the completely unnecessary podcast alongside my compadre, Ian Ferguson. Hi. I am Pat Contry, and this is your unnecessary podcast for September 11, 2013. What a show we have today, Ian. Lots of topics. A couple just came today through the pipe. Yes. Lots of good stuff going on. It's episode two. Episode two! That's one, that's two more episodes than I thought we would ever actually record. Episode two, play number one. So up today on the show, we will be discussing, Ian's where we're going to drink, uh, general updates about the site, uh, video game years, a little NES Marathon stuff, the Vita TV, uh, the Steam Family Sharing Plan, the State of Retro Gaming Collecting Today, your Q&A, um, if you want to ask your question, hashtag Podcast on Twitter, we're going to check that later on the show, we already had some good questions, we're going to see what else is going on there. But real quick, on the punkeffect.com, um, still accepting uh, site contributors uh, for things such as uh, movie reviewer, movie news, uh, someone that can cover gaming news and reviews, pop culture commentator, no one has applied for that. Um, TV news, a tech news person would be cool for something like the TV. that'd be a tech news. Uh, a political... He needs a hairstylist too. Yes, I do. I'll get to that. A political commentator <laughs> uh, would be nice, hopefully down the line. And then a uh, comic book news reviewer. These comic book books come out every week. Why not have someone that reads them? A lot of people there read comics and, you know, comment on them. Um, so, yeah. Uh, video game years. 1981 is done. It's in the can. It's done. I think it, it came out pretty, pretty, pretty well. There are some things about it that I, I'm not crazy about. But overall, the second half really showed what the Kickstarter contributions went to. Indiegogo? Uh, Indiegogo. My bad. Uh, the second half of 1981 is gorgeous. I, oh, yeah. And it's not because I'm a part of it. I think it's one of the nicest looking web TV series that's out there. It's web just, TV. Web <laughs> TV. I didn't have that. It comes but, full circle. Yeah. Um, but it is awesome looking. And I think the content is getting better. I think the editors are getting better. I think everything about it is just really shaping up to be great. And I'm excited to get into the 80s, which I think for a lot of people is the meat of what is going to be very interesting for them. Yeah, Destroyal was always, um, you know, get to 1985, get to the NES. We've had websites say we're not interested until we get to 1985. And it's like, yeah, I understand that. But this is still cool stuff. The first console war with Intelligent Atari is very compelling still. Sure. Even if you don't, if you even if you weren't around then to experience it. Um, it's still cool. But we've got the people with the knowledge that, that can make it interesting, even if it's not what you know. Everyone wants us to get to the NES, obviously, mm-hmm. for obvious reasons, and it's going to sure. be cool when we do. But, uh, you know, the right people, good editing, that can make all the earlier stuff just as interesting. Sure. Um, so that's cool. Um, the other stuff going on. The NES Marathon. I know we were sort of going to announce it this week officially. I mean, in the last podcast, we announced it. To reiterate, I can't even speak... Uh, October 19th and 20th is going to be the weekend this year. Right. So we are, geez, is that five and a half weeks away? About? That's, that's yeah. longer than I thought, actually. That's kind of... As long as you thought. That's it, relieving. Being that I've done no work on it yet, I don't have to get to it. <laughs> you know, um, so that's coming up. So we're going to officially officially announce it next week. 
Uh, we are going to be using uh, a different charity. We can announce that. We're going to be using the Children's Miracle Network. Correct. Um, which is a great children's hospital organization. We decided to switch from Charles, uh, Charlesville Charity this year to help out another organization, which still does a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. You know, the nice thing about uh, Children's Miracle Network is it's, it's, it's broader. Um, the money will go towards more things. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm happy that we raised, you know, nearly what forty thousand over so far, yeah, over three years. Uh, you know, and toys and games for sick kids is great, but I'm looking forward to getting them uh, medical attention. You know, uh, the, the payments for their their uh, procedures that they yeah. need. Sure, uh, that'll be cool too. Um, yeah, so that's going to be coming up. We're going to do an official uh, announcement next week. We're actually going to be using Indiegogo to collect the funds. Now, the cool thing about that is it still doesn't go through us. It goes right to the charity. And since the Children's Miracle Network is a is a 501c uh, nonprofit, that means, you know, you can use Indiegogo for that. Last year, we couldn't use Child's Place. Since we're not a 501c, we couldn't use Indiegogo for that. So that's cool. It'll allow us to uh, track it more, track the perks in terms of, like, games that, uh, for people that want us to play, like $50 for this game, $100 to play this game. It'll make our lives a lot easier. A lot easier. Yeah, no no, no more Ian on no sleep, uh, 22 hours in, desperately trying to find the next game we have to play on, sure. like, five sheets of notebook paper. It'll all be there in a list for us. Sure. That'll be good. Um, well, what else is coming up besides that? Um, and I'm working on... I am finally working on... I mean, I was working on it before, kind of, but... There's a lot of stuff been going on lately, including our, our, our hidden writing project, our secret writing project. Uh, take a drink. Um, I am starting to edit part two of Cliffhanger. No, I'm not leaving the Path the NES Punk series. Some people thought I was. You'd think by the hint of Cliffhanger being the name of the game and that it wouldn't be true, but yes, Cliffhanger is... Um, people sometimes have a tough time separating the narrative from, from the reality. From real life. Yeah. So this is like my game room, but it's also where Pat the Indian's Punk lives. So it's both. It's two separate things going on. It's just an extension of the personality, not the personality. Maybe. So that will be out next week. The week of, I guess that'll be the week of the 15th or so. Yeah. Yeah. About that. So it's going to be out. Woo! And then I can get on, rest, get on with the rest of my life, planning the marathon, planning like my trip to Portland. I may, might be going back to New Jersey. So there you go. So um, let's start with our first topic of the day. Oh, yeah. The announcement came a few days ago of the Vita TV from Sony. So this is something that I find particularly interesting. Uh, I mean, it, it, when, I, when I look at Sony from uh, the beginning of this year, I, I, I see a company that has somehow managed to gracefully maneuver through a room full of deadly traps. They always seem to come out slightly ahead of where I, I think they would. They came okay. out on top of the Xbox One announcement by oh, yeah. so you know by by they so, flipped it on them. There's all these things. So, anyways, we have the Vita. It's a nice console. It's not a necessary console. It's not doing great. So, what they have is they are doing what I kind of expected them to do. They are trying to show the Vita as an integral part of the PlayStation Four, and the Vita TV is one way that they're doing this. And I think it's a rather clever idea. So basically for $100, not only do you get a Vita, that's mm -hmm. not portable, you hook it up to your TV, but this will play Vita games, it'll play PlayStation 1 games, and it will play um, any downloadable PSP games. So you have an entry-level console for about 100 bucks. With the way Sony is courting the indie game development scene, 
this could effectively put a nail in the coffin for the Ouya, especially in the light of Ouya's current controversy, which perhaps we'll touch on later. Um, the other thing is they're using it as an extender, so that if you have a PlayStation 4 and it's hooked up to a TV and someone is uh, watching TV on that TV and you have a Vita TV hooked up to a TV in another room, you can stream your game from that TV to the other TV so that you can multitask and use these multiple TVs. Um, you have to keep in mind that an Apple TV is about 100 bucks. a Roku is slightly less. This gives you all those options, plus a really solid game library that, while is not entirely current, is definitely better than a lot of so, the offerings. So you're looking at this, and I look at it this way, it's just that this is purely for people that already have a PlayStation. It's not They're not looking to branch outside and capture a new audience. They're not going to get it, I don't think. Because at the end of the day, there's so many media streaming uh, you know, units out there. They've, been out, they've really been out for about five years now. Uh, they started coming out about 2009 CES in my CES video 2009 um, was it 2009 2010 they, that's when like the boxy box D links boxy they're all coming out a lot of them never sing not, not, not a lot of them ever really caught on I thought the boxy was gonna blow up I thought that was gonna be the next big thing and it just never caught on some people just yeah. you know, they didn't get it weren't interested but you know with with this it, it, you're right it's smart is it going to be the, a huge thing? I don't know. I don't. I don't know if the streaming thing is going to be big. I don't know how that, that technology is going to work in terms of that latency. I don't know. I mean, basically, they're, they're basically doing what the Wii U's doing, except on the tablet, you're going to be able to put on another TV. You know. Yeah, but if people want to play Vita games, and granted, there's not a ton of those yet, but there are some good ones. Instead of paying two hundred dollars for a unit, you can play pay a hundred and, and play them on your TV. Um, I realize that they say that you know you're going to lose the touch. Not all of these games use the touch, and if they integrate the DualShock 4 controller, you effectively get touch back via the controller. The the, the way I, I look at it, and I'll, and I'll leave it at this, is if you have a PS4, the thing becomes incredibly useful. Sure. If you don't, but you are still looking for a Netflix box, this costs as much as the next best option, which would be the Apple TV, but gives you a game library that is far more robust. This is interesting. I don't know if Sony... I don't think people realize it. A lot of the newer TVs have this stuff built into it now. They have the media uh, stuff built in. I think Sony has their own uh, like streaming. Uh, they, they, I, I'm thinking of Blip. When you, when you like publish a video on Blip, you have all the different services you can go to. You can go to Roku. You can go to Sony's or Philips service. A lot of them have it sure. already. This is to me a way to just get more money out of your pocket. It's like they're you know just. <laughs> Another accessory that's going to cost them twenty bucks to produce, they'll sell it for a hundred, and the people will probably buy because like, hey, I can get this, and it's still going to be cheaper than an Xbox One. Getting the PS4 and this, I I, I could also I just said that this is my last comment, so I lied. Um, I also, <laughs> but I mean, I do like this as as a cheap, you know, for kids, you know, it is a cheaper console. I mean, if you, yeah. it, it's just it, with this, you can look at it from so many different perspectives. I don't see it as a standalone, though. I don't. I see I, it as an accessory. I do for a certain market, and that market is. Uh, for kids who want a console that will play games that their friends are talking about that is not nearly as expensive. It's a hundred bucks. But if they think they're going to tap into the Nintendo's handheld market, I don't think they are. No, no, they're not. And I, I would never say that. Like I said and, in the last podcast, I have both. And if you were to ask me today which handheld you should go with, that answer would be a resounding 3DS. And there's no reason for a Vita to be your only handheld system. Sure. Um, but no, I mean, I do think it's a cool idea. I think it's a good move on their part. And I, I will concede to you a little bit. It's going to be better if you're already buying into the. Oh, the God, Sony. I'm going to say this: the Sony family of products. Yes, that's yes. exactly what it is. 
Right. It's the Sony family of products. It's like it's to me. It's almost the same thing as their stupid proprietary memory sticks that cost twice it's as much. Not, it's, it's the same. Like, they just want to milk you for more money. They, the Vita is a failed handheld. And this is a way to sell their software by introducing it. And it's actually brilliant because otherwise no one would give a shit about it. Right, but this you know? is the thing. It breathes, it's going to breathe new life into Vita development. And if the, with the recent announcement of the Vita 2000, the price drop on the Vita, the Vita TV, the fact that they want to make the Vita basically the Wii U tablet controller for the PS4, um, by, by making it everything but a portable video game system, mm-hmm. they are cleverly making the Vita relevant. And I find that kind of cool. I'm just going to retweet this. Discuss. Vita TV. Holy, oh, missed it. And <laughs> and the next topic, which is going to be, which just was announced, I think today officially was announced, yeah. is Steam uh, Family and Friends Sharing. Steam Family. Sounds kinky. It does sound a little kinky. <laughs> Is it friends and family sharing? Friends and family sounds better. Like like the old like friends and family plan from your on your phone. Yeah. You pick the you pick the people you want to be on your freebie. You know, it's the same thing. So let's discuss this. So it was discussed today at Steam, which which some people used to hate for you know because of the, whatever reason. Stupid reasons. Yeah, but now it's become sort of the standard for downloadable you know games in the PC. Um, they've announced a sharing plan, which was basically what Xbox One was supposed to have. Before people realized it was almost like a hidden draconian thing going on, but um, so basically, it's going to allow you to have a network of friends or and or family, um, and then the entire library that you have purchased. If I if you're if you were my friend, you're not, and I shared the library with you. No. If I wasn't playing the game, it's almost like giving you a game off the shelf. When I'm not playing yeah. Gun Knack, you can play it. But if I want it back, it's mine. So it's actually brilliant because so basically you can play a game that I downloaded last week and say I beat it. Now you, you can try it out. And then what, the, what they're saying is if I want to play it again, you're going to get an alert message saying you have three minutes notified to end the game or it's going to go back to me. Or you can buy it. So it's great because you don't ever have to buy that game. But if you want to, you can. And now it's almost like sh- free shareware that you have. What this reminds me of, and I, I like the idea, is so you know the original purchaser of the game basically gets control over it. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is a return to the neighborhood cartridge swap of us growing up in the eighties. You know, uh, you can lend games to people; people can borrow games, try out other games. Uh, you demand when you get it back when you want to play it, and what this amounts to is. A lot of exposure for a game, and it's gonna oh, it's yeah. gonna convert itself into sales for the, oh, yeah. for, the for, for for these pub- or these developers and see, these publishers. See, if Microsoft ever went that route to explain it like that, they might have gotten some people behind. Maybe they never bothered to. Well, that, I mean, the thing is, you're describing what Microsoft had in mind completely differently. This is what people interpreted Microsoft as having. It's not. But yeah, but I'm saying they, if they if they saw ahead, they could have went that route to get people behind it. They didn't. But see, the thing is, 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 is and not to not to necessarily steer away from Steam, but a lot of these bigger companies, especially Microsoft, they're terrified of the publishers. They have them in, in you know, they're in the publisher's pocket. Uh, that to a publisher that wants to make money off of new game sales sounds like no one's ever going to buy the game. Not taking two seconds to think, hey, wait a second, if this guy gets a day 
to just do what he wants with this yeah. game and really explore it. Which he wouldn't have before. Right. He's more likely to go out and make an educated choice and, and decide to buy it than sure. a restricted 15-minute demo or something sure. like that. You know, he can actually decide whether or not he wants it. I can't tell you how many games ended up under my Christmas tree as a kid or for I got for a birthday because I borrowed them for a friend and wanted to own them. Yeah, it's like, like the wall. It's like most of the NES games people played, they were borrowed. Yeah. And you discovered them that way. Sure. It's the same thing. I think it's a brilliant idea. Um, hell, you might be able to play DuckTales Remastered that way if I buy on Fuck Steam. Fuck that shit. You're going to play the damn thing. People request you play DuckTales Remastered. You're going to play Begrudgingly. Begrudgingly. You're going to play at least a demo. You're going to play at least one full level. I'll find a way to play The demo's it. probably one full level. At least it was at E3. I played the what was it, Transylvania level. So. No, I mean, here's my thing to touch on it, and, and, and we will discuss DuckTales Hell or High Water next podcast. <laughs> I, if I'm going to bitch about it, I have to be able to back up my statement. Sure. And if I have to do that for 15 more dollars and <laughs> never support WayForward again, I'm sure they're nice guys. They make really pretty games. I just hate their level design, okay? I'm sorry. Uh, then I will do so. Speaking of bitching... Uh, yes. On YouTube, many comments oh. against Ian. Most so, people enjoyed the podcast. Here we go. All right, <laughs> guys. I'm just an opinionated asshole, like everyone. Okay, when I state an opinion, I am never stating it as fact because my opinion is meaningless. I wish I wish the comments from you saying you're uh, pretentious. Yeah, you know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not. Okay, I promise you I am not. I'm highly opinionated. It's a podcast. I'm supposed to get fired up. Why the hell else would you listen to Pat and I just talking hey, in dulcet tones about what we think about So what did you sell at the shop So when I say that Man of Steel is the worst movie I have ever fucking seen, you don't need to get upset about it. It's just my opinion. I'm not stating it as fact. Do I even really think that? Probably not. Maybe sometimes. But not you, always. You do. You, you, you have this hate hate relationship with things that you know yeah sort of but, swirls around but guys I, I i am not up my own ass i really <laughs> i really don't hold my opinion in any higher regard if you like something that i don't more power to you i'm okay with that <laughs> anyway uh man so so is, is that all we have on on the uh on, on the, the Vita TV and on the Steam sharing plan on the Vita and the steamer yeah want to share some steam with me that sounds Either dirty or a drug reference. You know that's know that's that's an old restaurant prank. You tell the new guy in a hurried voice if you're in the kitchen that he needs to go get you a bucket of steam asap. The people used to actually fall for that. Yeah, and then they run around trying to figure out what the fuck a bucket of steam are is. They, are they were they idiots? Well, yeah, most people who work in kitchens start off as idiots. <laughs> they start off, then they build away up the morons, and then, then they drink away the rest of their <laughs> brain cells. Anyways, so what, what do we have next on our topic list? Because I'm sure we have plenty of next is well. It. Next was actually it was funny because you wanted to discuss it before it actually came up as one of the a question before we. By the way, guys, hashtag CU uh, podcast for questions. But before that even happened, Steven, so people wanted us to discuss, but basically the state of retro game collecting today. So I think this is a really broad topic. I think it's a good topic. I think it's something that given Pat and myself and what we do, we should probably discuss it. Um, Retro game collecting, I should say. So, full disclosure first, if you don't know who I am, and if you don't, you're probably better off, but uh, I... You're better off. (laughs) (laughs) You're better off not knowing who the hell I am. I'm the general manager of a used retro video game store. 
So just keep that in mind. A nice one too. The best one is San Diego, and it's and it's bullshit that that award didn't go to your chain this year. They bought it. They, they did you see how they bought it? They bought no. it by uh, promising pizza parties, and they gave away credit for votes. Play and trade is fucking. They awful. gave away credit for I, votes. I went to a play and trade. Um, there's one about 15 minutes from here, <laughs> 20 minutes, and the selection wasn't good. The only thing, out of all the things I had thought about buying, they had a Gamecom in the box. That's like the only things. Well, did it come with the lights out packing? I sure hope so. <laughs> I think it might have. Yeah. But I, I didn't buy it. Right. And the guy, it's funny because that guy, I'm going to get in trouble. But I've seen him actually try to sell stuff at the swap meet. I don't know if he still works there, but no. Anyway, Luna Video Games, okay. you work there. It's a great store. Right. But Fair I, I mean, prices. M- m- more, more importantly, I want to get that out of the way because I, my, my, my living does rely on, on, on selling of, sure. of these games. So we'll, get, I mean, we'll touch on that. I'm not going to begrudge you that, even though you know, I, I, my videos, I, I am against the, the swap meet recently. And I'm, I'm against collectors. So, I mean, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't really Which matter. Which is interesting because they, they, they're part <laughs> right, of the I, I realize, yeah. So it's a, fra- it's a crazy mix-up world we live in. It's a crazy mix-up. Um, so we did have someone, and I feel like this is a good jumping-off point. We did have someone who asked us, uh, more or less, do we think the retro gaming scene, and that's how I'm going to refer to it. I don't want to refer to it strictly as collecting. Do we feel that it was better when it was less popular? And or, games were less expensive. Or, or do we feel that, it's not even so upset, but less popular versus it's, more popular, and, yeah. and games being less expensive and more expensive is part of that. Um, here's my thing. Any, any niche hobby requires a certain amount of popularity to survive. So while it was nice okay. to have low prices, we wouldn't have people still manufacturing 72-pin connectors, replacement controllers, uh, alternative consoles yes. to play when our consoles break, that if there was no market for it. On the other hand, as a person who does work in this industry, and yes, I do price my stickers to, 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 to reflect raises and prices accordingly, but... Um, yeah, my jaw drops when I see a, a game that I sold last year for twenty bucks yeah. going for eighty now, and we try to find a reasonable middle ground on that and we charge it, but it's mind blowing to me, and I don't feel like the prices are necessarily going to plummet anytime soon because it's not like we have a bigger supply of this stuff coming in. There's a finite supply, so we need people to either lose interest or or, or the prices are just right. going to continue to rise. Let's back up. Sure. When, when when you say about popular, how like how are you like defining that? Like how are you finding it's like to you it's is is it strong enough that you have companies manufacturing new products? That to you means it's popular in terms of the support. In, ter- in terms of hyperkin right, making that's, products. That's popular know, enough X. to me. You know, um, t-shirts and hot topic and, and and that sort of stuff. That's that's a little overboard. And I'll never begrudge a hobby just because it got popular. I like lots of bands that were once unknown that became popular and stuff like that. But Let me, I, I do okay. like, yes, popular enough to to keep the hobby going. I'm going to splice the hair, though, because there's a, there is a, di- a big difference. And you only see this uh, when you go to the convention. You see it more. There's a big difference between a retro game collector and a retro game player. Yeah. And those are two different markets. Absolutely. Because a retro, a retro game collector will go out and spend $250 on Earthbound stupidly. The retro gamer will say, well, I can just buy it on the, you know, the Wii U for like 10 bucks. And what the hell, what the hell's the difference? And here's, okay, so, I mean, jumping gears, and here's the difference to me. When I'm behind the counter, and I like a lot of the collectors, but when I'm behind the counter, I'd rather talk to someone who enjoys the games and plays them. Okay. Um, as opposed to someone 
And I have people who are like this. And if, and if he's listening, I love you, dude. You know who I'm talking about because he might be listening. But when someone buys a really expensive game and it's in good condition, they flat out tell me that they're going home to put it in a drawer. I die a little inside because <laughs> it's a good game and I'd rather talk okay. to the person who wants to play it. But isn't that person, they're not only... They're, 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 all, they're not only helping your business. Yeah. They're helping inflate the, the market so that there are Hyperkin and X making it. it, it that's the, whole, the the problem is there is this sort of a bleed over. Yeah, no, there and is. it's hard there's, to distinguish. Because you see all these games here, and, you know, I say I'm somewhat of a gamer, being that I played all these, but you would say, no, I'm not, because I'm not playing these every day. And I don't have time to play them every day. Well, of course that's you don't, difference. but I know you do play them. So, I mean, that, that I, I'm not saying they have to play them every day. It's, it's people who specifically buy with the intent of monetizing it or uh-huh. just holding on to it. And that's, that's my and problem. That's the, and that's a totally different issue, and that's what but I really want to still, talk about. But this is my problem. This is why I try to differentiate and say that I, I, I don't actually mean I hate all collectors. People who buy to monetize still refer to themselves as collectors. It's more like you have to divide collectors into two separate categories. Yeah, they're categories. not. And, and, and that's where I, I, I think... Um, that, and that's what has hurt. I'm glad you separated that out for me because that's what really has hurt the collecting scene the most. No, it has. And, that, and that's, that's not, my view. And I'm not going to begrudge. I'm going to be the first to admit that. Have I, you know... Resold? Oh no! Have I resold stuff to to support the hobby in the past? Of course I have. So have I. There's no way else I would be able to get all this stuff. Yeah. No, but I mean, have I? But have I gotten to the game just to make money? No. no. That's the difference. And there are lots of people that have. And that's what when I say a reseller, that's a reseller. It's a person that has no respect um, for for the scene, if you want to call it. No respect. They couldn't for the games. tell you how the game plays. No. If they're they couldn't tell what the game is. Yeah, they, they just they just know what titles I mean, ha- require what price tag. I, 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 and I know these guys. There's guys at the swap meet, really the nicest guys. They're first to admit to me that you know they have no idea. Uh, what game was it? I was talking about um, that. I was trying to explain to them like why the game was good and important, and they don't care. They just want to know, oh, is it worth money? Right. You know, can I make twenty five bucks off it? And that's what has hurt hurt the scene. And that's where I think the hyperkin and X would have come about, and you'd have this interest. Without that crappy, you know, now more and more, 30% of it, 35%, for it, it's growing every year. That percentage, I think that's marred, marred quote-unquote, the, the market, are those people. The people, for example, and I will get into sealed collecting, because these are people, uh, a lot of these sealed collectors are people that... Um, Cry alone while they masturbate? Besides that, okay. they are people that, by their own admission, were people that were involved with, in toy collecting... Or comics, right? And they saw video games as the next thing to get into and make money off. And that's the point I wanted to make too. This and is, they are hurting, and this, that's speculation. This is where comics and game. This is where, but this is where comics and toy collecting ran into trouble. When you had people who came in who did not have an actual passion for yes. the items they were buying, they only saw dollar signs. And they're in their the first eyes. ones to leave. Right. They're the first ones. To, they're, they're the first ones to get into the market when they see money, and the first ones to leave when they realize either it's it, the market's not for them anymore, or they get tired of it. And that's where you do see price drops if people start unloading stuff. With video games, though, it's 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 difficult to see to say what direction it may or may not go. And I wish I could say it would all the prices would just collapse. And I say that owning the most you know the most valuable video game in the world. Yeah. And I still say almost I wish the prices would collapse to a certain degree. Obviously, they're not. It, it's tough for them to collapse because you, you, we we have a lot of tourists. We have a lot of day traders right now. You know, and if they leave, we'll, well we'll see too a much drop. Control. We there, see, we'll see a drop, but. You know, unlike, say, record collecting where these things can be reprinted, we're not going to see a reprint of cartridges to ease prices. No, and then the, and the problem with it, the problem with any other commodity, like comic books, when there was a, when the, when there was a comic book bubble, they were still getting made new. 
you can still go out and collect. Right. You, you can still go out and read your image, your Valiant, <laughs> and even though all your fucking Marvel and DC Comics had your d- die-cut freaking chrome covers, you can still buy them yourself. Yeah. Now, you have sellers controlling the market prices. And I blame eBay yeah. uh, for, for abandoning their auction systems. They saw a lot more money with Buy It Now's. Um, and now a lot of the buy it nows, the prices for listing it used to be like listing on for buy it nows was more. I don't know. If there's a, there's a difference anymore. So there's no incentive for. But besides, like, I think you get you get uh, less va- less uh, money taken off the top at the end if it is an auction. I think eBay kept that. But there's no incentives for some uh, for some seller to get their die hard and run it at 99 cents and see it end up at 17 bucks. So to say, they might as well take it and put it at a buy now at 40, 45 and sit on it for two months, four months until someone wants it. And that's the problem. You see a seller now go out and capture. If you look for any of these rare games like Color Dinosaur a few months back. Die Hard, you will find at least one or two sellers that will have multiple copies of the game. Sure. And it's not a coincidence. You can't go out and find four or five diehards by accident. This is a game I found twice yeah. in t- twice in 12 years at the swap meet. Right, we've, had, not it, come we've, we've had it twice at Lunar Games. You know what I mean? Games. So, I mean, Color Dinosaur, there was definitely a seller at one point had at least three or four of them. And, they were, and that bumps the price up, unfortunately. And that's where I have a problem with. I don't have a problem with... With, with with the market setting the price, but that's not happening. And you can argue, and you can say, well, if people are willing to pay for it, but if you can't find it anywhere else, it's like the, the price of bread. And I know it's a comparison between food and a collectible or whatever, but if you really want it and you're looking for a year and a half, you might just buy the bullet and, and hit that buy now instead of looking for it elsewhere. And that's my problem with it. Yeah, it, it, it's hilarious when you, when, you, when you look at eBay and you look at completed sold listings and you look at buy it now as an auction there's no auctions when we yeah it's impossible and that's here's how here, here's here's kind of how we price things at luna video games okay? that's a commercial luna video games no but i'm just saying you know when we we look for we try to disregard buy it nows because buy it nows are impulsive we try yes. to look for we try to look for auctions we try to look for what people are truly willing to pay in a casual setting which is sure. what you get from an auction so if i'm looking to say price a copy of Die Hard, right? And I see an auction closing out at 35, 25, 30. I'm thinking, okay, I'm probably going to price that at 30 bucks, maybe 25. Some collector's going to come in and be happy he's not paying shipping or whatever. He's going to grab it out sure. the door. He goes. But if you try to go by buy it nows, it's 40, 45, 45. Sense. But they sell because people don't want to deal with the auction. And that's the other thing. Yeah. People are impatient. Like, if you go on Amazon, there's people, a lot of people realize you can buy game systems and stuff on Amazon. And I talked to some sellers who say Amazon's like for that high-end clientele that doesn't want to deal with dirty eBay. They want to buy their NES system with games fun. for 100 bucks. It's just as dirty, though. Like, but that's the point. It's, just, it's yeah. a mindset. They don't want to wait for an auction. Right. Where's my kid clown? You know how long it took me to get kid clown? It took me about a year and a half, two years. It was one. It was one of the worst. It was one of the worst. It was one of the last twenty-five games, because you know why? I refused to pay the thirty-five, forty-dollar buy it nows that was controlled by there was. I think it was like Hillbilly Media, the seller. I remember it from like three years ago on eBay. They they had four (laughs) of the fucking games, four of them. Yeah, and I said to myself. I'm not pay- paying forty-five bucks for Buster. There's no way, Kid Clown. It's very uncommon. It's not a forty-five dollar game. I had to wait for an auction for a year and a half. You know how much I got it for? I got it for eleven bucks plus yeah. shipping. Yeah, I think I think like for instance, that, that's a good example because I think that is one at Luna that goes for fifteen or twenty. Yeah. If we get it, because that's what it's worth to people who are willing to fight over it yes. in an auction. It's it's only worth 
this amount on a buy it now if you're impatient and you have to have it right there. Exactly. And that and that's not I, that's not a true market in my opinion. It's not. It's not. And again, I wish I could say, well, it's if they don't have to buy it, but you don't understand when you when here I always I always talk about the stock market because if the stuff that went if if you acted with stocks how some of these sellers do with games, they'd be in prison. Yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, pr- uh, a manipulation of prices. Sure. And who knows what goes on with, with uh, shill bidding, and that goes on a lot. Oh, shill bidding, um, putting up these really high buy it nows in order to get uh, just ridiculous, like my, my fucking sealed same events I want $100,000 for, just to get their other items noticed, that crap. But but just buying up the market on certain stuff, they're acting like freaking trading places. You know, they're trying to corner the, the frozen orange juice market. That's what they're trying to do with games. That's <laughs> yeah. what they're trying to do, though. Yeah. And that's illegal yes. to do that. But they're trying to do it. But it, it happens in any in any collectible hobby that gets that gets it, popular. And that's where that and that's where it comes down to. Where it's, just, it's trying to separate again, separating out the gamer side of it from the collector and the collector from the profiteer. And I guess if I need to be if I, if I really need to break it down this is how I view it. You are the gamer who doesn't care you just want to play. Yes. You are the gamer collector and I'm cool with you. And you are the gamer monetizer and I don't like you at all. And that those are and the, the straight monetizer. And I'm sorry. Gamer gamer collector, collector monetizer or straight monetizer. But I, I look at it in the same way because they're still trying to get these things up. They're building a collection of the expensive titles to sell. Yes. It's like the people who hoard copies of stadium events. They're collecting them so they can fix the fucking prices. Yes, and that's still going on to extent, but uh, it's a shame that the, that the scene was unwilling to call out the person that did have, you know, four box stadium events at one time within a, with, and got them all within like two months. And, you know, it's a shame. It's a shame. And that's, again, that's the whole thing where I think there's too much of that now where people get into it because they see the money and then... I, I just hope I hope they take a bath, and I know when I say that the value of all these things. I don't care though, because I'm not looking to sell this stuff. You know. Another thing I'd say about the the collecting scene, because um, it's such a it's a broad topic in, in gaming and retro gaming in general, is I I, I feel like um, I don't. We're not going to see a dive in Nintendo and Super Nintendo. And I think some people are hoping for this as older people, people our age, a little bit older. Um, I, I've encountered a few people at work who have talked like this. who are like, well, Atari was once a lot of money, and then Atari stopped being worth money. Yeah. Here's I mean, the big difference, and and here's where I'm going to state my opinion. Um, <laughs> the Atari's not a whole lot of fun to play. There's... There, there are good games for the Atari, but in general, the Atari does not it's age most, as well. It's mostly people crap. Were be, uh, people were buying and collecting yeah. Atari based on nostalgia alone and yes. not on gameplay. Yars Revenge is fantastic, and I love Kaboom, but people were not doing this on gameplay. They were doing it on nostalgia. Nintendo is the point where you can look at a screen and be like, that's a dude who's jumping on a mushroom, yes. and yeah. that's a fly- That's a stock. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean there, there's, there's, no, there, yeah, there's no franchises on Atari, basically. Games come yeah. into their own. Even, even, and I get these kids all the time, and I love them, I think they're cool. I get these 13-year-olds who come in, and they can hold a conversation with me about old Nintendo games, and it's because they're fun. They still yeah. have that appeal. And if, if, if a Nintendo game holds an appeal to a kid who wasn't alive when it was around, then it's probably not, the appeal's probably not going to go anywhere. The, the only thing I would argue, or say maybe, is that as Nintendo collectors, and this is, this is a caveat to this, as Nintendo collectors get older, establish families, they may want to dump it when they hit their 40s and 50s. However, like you said, 
I know young kids, 13-year-olds, that are starting to collect this, too. Right. So I, maybe it'll be a cycle where it'll We'll just, see some interesting yeah. price slumps, but yeah. I don't think we're going to see them permanent. You know? We're going to see them... It, 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 it'll, just... it'll be interesting to see what a game like The Last Starfighter goes for in 10 years. You know, an uncommon game that is crap. So, you know, but right now... $5 the, game. Nintendo's defined by rarity, for the most part. That 90% of the games... Like that's, it was in 99, yeah. Well, no. But, but what I mean is that, like, on the Super Nintendo right now... The very uncommon games are still three, five bucks on oh, Nintendo. Sure. On Nintendo, they are not. They are twenty, twenty-five dollars. So I'm I'll, sure. I'll be interested yeah. to see if if this slips down to to what I think might happen, which a lot of people do, where they think the very high end stuff may remain high end, but all, and and the, and the fun games like Contra will always be twenty-five, thirty bucks. But all these games that no one gives a shit about except collectors. They're gonna drop. Well, and that's, as people don't care about because because it'd be like why why do I need all these? Am I ever gonna play this crappy game? No, I'll sell it. I'll just sell it. And, so, and then people start getting rid of their fucking Clash Balls and getting rid of their awful last ninjas. Well, you know, and, and then those games just drop. So then you have 80% of the games just 3 to $5, and then the 20%, you know, stay wherever. That's Who sort knows? of our mindset when we sell, too, is games that aren't going to move because they're not any fun, but they're slightly uncommon, yeah. will go for a lower price than something that is fun well, that is more I have the manual for Last Starfighter. Good, it's not going to make that game any better. I reviewed it. You never saw my review. Did you? <laughs> Actually, I think I did watch your review on that. Oh my god! About it, but I might I might have watched. My it. hair was bigger in that review than ever before. <laughs> actually, but no, like uncommon stuff. And I think I think you make a point. Uncommon stuff like that that matters to collectors now, but isn't fun to play, is going to I, perhaps drop in value as time goes on. Sure. Who knows about the unlicensed stuff? Like you know, who knows about like that fluctuates constantly. Exterminator, which remember I did buy at Luna Video Games. Yes, you did in two thousand and eight. When I visited, um, you also bought Prince of Persia, boxed, complete for like eight bucks. I did. That wasn't that time, but it was eventually. Yeah. Then I got it loose. <laughs> I've gotten some great deals of Luna. I got my Ducktales. <laughs> I got my Ducktales two complete in box for forty bucks. Yeah. Remember the? I got all those box games. That was like what two and a half years ago. That was. Be- is was that before you moved here? Or after? No, that was after. That was after. That was like I was here for like a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, and so yeah, I, I got. I think it's over here. My Ducktales too. Somewhere. Yeah, that was probably the last time ever anyone would have gotten that game for, for that price. Why? That's how much it was loose at the time. I think it was four dollars. No, I'm just saying. Like immediately after that, all those copies boxed probably shot up. Because of me? No, yeah. not because of you. But that was like probably the cutoff point. That two years ago? Ridiculous. Prices did take shoot up about two years ago. Two years ago, and then I'd say six months ago, everything. Really? Started going six months ago, ago, even more. Not Nintendo. Super Nintendo's been going crazy for the past six months. I think because people will see another market to monetize. Just like TurboGrafx-16, no one gave a shit about TurboGrafx-16 right. until about a year ago. So that's another thing ago. to bring up. Collectors, as they finish up collections from Nintendo that they started in 98, 99, <laughs> yeah. they move on to the next thing that they can think of, which for some people is Turbo, because it's roughly the same type of games that they collected on the Nintendo. Uh-huh. Or it's Super, because it's the next Nintendo system. So Demon's Crest, for instance... We used to sell that game for twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. That was probably five dollars more than it was worth on eBay. That game goes for eighty to a hundred dollars now. Thank it's God, insane. I, I finally got my copy in the span of a year. I was, oh my Ducktales two's by you next to the other Ducktales. Oh yes, sir. I always forget. It's funny. I always I always forget. Like I had Mega Man two in the box. I was like, it's just like the that's the only Mega Man I had really. Anyway, um, so yeah, so we'll see where, where retro gaming goes from here in terms of collecting. It's interesting. I'm going to be in Portland. And Portland is is cool because it's an interesting barometer at the very least. It is because again, you see like the twelve year old kid that has like last year, literally twelve year old said, "Yeah, I have like four hundred fifty five hundred NES games." I'm like, what the? F-? Like, you know how long it took me to get five hundred games? It took me like 
five, six years yeah. to get 500 games, you know, and my stream of collecting. And that's the other thing that feeds into prices. People jumping in and going on eBay and just saying, I want this. I'm going to get all these games within a year. And a lot of people try to do that. Well, and that's, I mean, to go back and then, to that. And then, and then, if, you only have, if you only have four people doing that, you know, then you're, you know, what is this game, rare game, hopefully. Then Piraticus Piratic, uh, Cusp Conflict was actually a pretty good game. This goes from a $12 game to a $40 game because all of a sudden you have five people at the same time that want it. Right. It's actually a really good game. So, yeah. We've got about. What are we doing? Is that no. the end of our topic? Yeah. We've got about 10, 15 minutes left. 15 minutes. We've so, got, fuck sealed collecting. Fuck sealed collecting. Fuck grading sealed games, I'll just say. Fuck yeah. collecting for monetary purposes. Yes. Hey, if you're enjoying profiteering, you're playing your games, then I'm, I'm, all, say I'm all for it. I'll say profiteering more than yeah, this. profit. Yeah, because because so. in collecting, there's always about value. Is it always in the back of your mind a little bit? Kind of like it's cool. Oh, this one's worth a lot of money. Oh, uh, Miami too. But, and, and, and but profiteering is a manipulation of pricing. That's where the problem comes in. That's where I speak out against it. Whenever I'm at these conventions and there's a video game collecting panel, I always speak out against it. And because of that, some people in the video game collecting world don't like me. Fuck them. I don't care if they don't. Yeah. Fuck you! Yeah. I don't care. Would you quit stating your opinion as fact? <laughs> anyway, um, and to go back to the original question, you know the popularity thing. I have no issue with video game collecting or video game retro game playing being popular at all. I like it because I I naturally enjoy talking about my hobby. I like it when people come into the store and talk. It's just a matter of what people do once yes. that becomes popular. Sure. So. We'll see. I'm sure. I'm sure I'll have. I, I love having conversations with. At, 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 uh, oh, Chuck's in the chat from Portland at Portland Retro Gaming Expo because you do have. It's mostly guys that love just collecting, not for the monetary. Well, as stuff. you've described That's it to like, me, yeah. it would be a place that I would enjoy because yeah, it, 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 it's. It, it, it isn't the monetization aspect. It's people, the people who deals. are just they, they want to play because that's where you got some really cool. Uh, LCD and uh, electromechanical no, I, I, and I bought, handhelds. I bought way yeah. too many LCDs last year, but it was great. I would eat that up. So, you know, you know, that's obviously a place where, like, the people... It's for people who are into it. Do you want to um, see what kind of questions... Yeah, so again, guys, in the chat, we don't take questions in chat. We try to do it on Twitter. It's a lot easier for us to manage. So uh, we're going to check in a minute. But if you want to ask us a question, uh, it's uh, hashtag CU Podcast on Twitter, and I'll check right now. You know, I'll check on here versus the phone. Quick uh, bathroom break. We're going to take a It'll give me a chance to uh, tweet it out real quick on here while I, while I do this. All right, we are back. So let's go to our... You were concerned about someone else using the same hashtag. But that was from like... If it was like an Irish podcast from like May, so you don't have to oh, worry okay. about it. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't check <laughs> it. doesn't matter. Much. All right, so... <laughs> Take All right, so actually the first question was opinions on the current state of the retro collecting market. I think we answered that one. Yeah. So, um, pretty generic question. This is from uh, oh, the, the person I asked about retro collecting was uh, Greg underscore Rigo, by the way. Uh, this is Jace Nakaradu asked, pretty generic question, when did the two of you start thinking about serious collecting? Serious collecting. I, uh, for me, I guess he means... Does that mean like when I decided that I want to put a lot of my time into it or go for a complete set? I would say somewhere around 2002. I started about 99, 2000. It's very blurry because it was it was sometime during school. And I couldn't remember when I started really considering. I know I know I rebought an NES at Funko Land and a few games in about 99. 
But even then, it was just a play. I wasn't thinking about collecting. I would probably say around 2002, 2003, when I actually would start driving around to all the Funko lands when I found out they were starting to clear out their old stock, you know, and starting going to the swap meets and flea markets like every week in the summer again. And that's probably when I would say serious, you know, when I would say I, when I wanted to start getting, you know, a big box rob sure you know and, and jar my in getting those things so you know even probably even probably before because i was doing that on ebay even before so i would say probably like 2001 2002 it was very it was pretty early for me i would say um i don't really consider myself a collector anymore but i definitely was at one point in time entertaining thoughts of going for a full set <laughs> uh, i never stopped playing my nintendo and I, I can say that honestly i loved it i when i got a job in high school when i was about 15 uh, I started going to the flea markets in 1998 and buying up every Nintendo game that I'd always wanted to play and didn't have the money to get. So probably 98, and it was a beautiful time if you wanted to do that sort of thing because you could get pretty much any game oh, for yeah. 5 bucks. I got Caltron 6 and 1 complete for 10 I got uh, Action 52 for 15 um, It was really cool, and I had a lot of fun doing it, but it was when I moved out to San Diego... I already had to sell off a lot of my modern collection. I brought my NES collection out, and it was a pain to haul. And I went from about 450 games about two years ago. I pared it down to about 100. And honestly, if I had to, I could probably pare it down to 50. And I would probably rebuy some of them. But I, I, I try to look at NES like I do PC Engine now. I really only try to buy something that I actively want to play. I'm not going for any full sets. Which is respectable. I think it's wimpy, but it's just enough. <laughs> That's interesting. You were you were lucky. I never found even back in like two thousand two thousand one. Man, it, it's funny because maybe there was a stadium event sitting in that. You know, remember like the the big Funko Land sort of. Yeah, I, of, you know, maybe I, there was. I just never looked. I boggle you know? over the fact because I never would have necessarily bought it and i i mean even then because i used to post on tsr's nes pit that's how long ago that i got it did you release a post on there because that's where that's where yeah. I, that's where we discovered 97 98 was where i, I posted on there please every tell me day. what your name is because that site's still up the nes archive's still up and uh, that's what got me back into to, to video gaming it was, was that it was opal something I, I, you, you ever heard me tell the story about that? That's how I rediscovered it. Was no. going on TSR's NES arc, TSR's NES. No, archive I mean, that was that was what I mean. That was the website for me for NES information. Was, that's I how I discovered there were the Pan Asian games. That's there, and I there was Biobuffet, yeah. and yeah. I, was like, I was like, "Wizard Tree? What the hell is Wizard Tree? I never saw this." Yeah, his site was super cool. But uh, oh god, so, it's still up there. Um, that's so funny. You used to post there while I was looking. That's so funny. Like thirteen. Oh, there, was, there was a lot of assholes. That was, fuck, on that was fifteen years ago. I, I was fifteen just, years ago, was, you were posting on there I, yeah, while I was, I was looking at information about the M8, the same what the, what the M8 was. You yeah. know, I was fifteen That's years. Funny, so. I, was, I was I was fourteen and fifteen years. So, I think ninety eight is actually a little late. I was probably ninety six or ninety seven because it was my freshman year of high school. But yeah, no, that was a that was a fun time. Oh man. God, it's so fun. I'm gonna go look up all your old posts on TS. Where is TSR? I want to shake that man's hand for helping me get back into. He tried to track him down a couple of years ago. He still is. Did like, you know him personally, or you just kind no, of? No, I mean, he, by the time that I was posting on there, like I said, so he was done with it. Seven. He was. He still maintained the website because he knew it had a, a message board posting. But I don't remember him actively posting on the message board. Well, well, he's kept this site up for this long. He must. Well, it was down for a long time, and the message board has been down permanently. For but as his long site as was know. up. His site, his site's back up. Yeah, it's, oh, it's back up. So now. he keeps it up. That's him, unless someone else mirrored it. Yeah. But I don't think the message board is still there. It's brilliant. The site was like the first sort of like NES knowledge pit. It was. It was curated 
Wally Bear, you know, stuff like that. It was curated knowledge. It was all the interesting shit that you didn't know about without all the common stuff you didn't need to know about. I think that's where I first discovered the Mike Etler rarity list. I think that's where it was first posted. Yeah, same here. And Mike Etler, is funny, I actually discovered Mike Etler selling stuff on eBay randomly. I checked the name of someone, and it said Mike Etler. And he's in New Jersey. And um, and I almost felt like messaging, hey, this is the Mike Etler. You're famous. Because you're the first guy I ever put together an NES game (laughs) list. That was mostly accurate, you know. Carry around. I used to print it off a dot matrix printer. Yeah. The, the rarity list. Uh huh. And I, I remember there were games being like, uh, p- like pyramids of scarabius. You know, games that never came out. There were just prototypes that were on yeah. there. But it was great. Uh-huh. And it was mostly accurate. There were some that uh, they were off, but for the time, it was pretty accurate. Honestly, if yeah. you look at his, because I've done it. If you look at one of his older lists and you compare it to what some What's people would cons- consider now. For something that was put together in the early days of the internet without yeah. a lot of collaborative resource information, uh, it's it's pretty accurate. There were some things that were, I mean, it, it's less so now, but there were some things that were far more common regionally mm-hmm. that, you know, because of his limited regional scope, he would have things as more common or less common than they really were. Sure. But, I mean, for the most part, it was, a, he, it was, he was on. He was pretty on. Um, and, and, and then, of course, Antler is also. The guy who got the Cheetah Man Cheetah Man 2, yeah. Which I still don't know how that happened. I, that, I would love to ask him how he even... Yeah. How, who, how he got it's, involved with that. As far as I know, that story's not even really on the internet. I'd love no. to know that story. I'd love to know. You know, I should try... I, I couldn't believe it. I, I should have I contacted him for like, an interview or something. I don't know how I did... If he was selling games. Oh, whatever. Next question. All right. Next question. That was good, though. Um, opinions on the current state of retro. We did that. This is a question for both Ian and Pat. This is from Christina. Chibi UFO. What are your thoughts on DuckTales Remastered? Ian has had to play it, but thinks it's a piece of garbage. <laughs> okay, no, no, so, so, so without playing it, here are my concerns, and we'll get back to it next podcast. My, cons- my What I love about DuckTales, the original Nintendo game, is not just the control, it's not the uniqueness it's the, it's of it. Flow and, it it's your it's, it, flow. Yeah. It, it's how the game is structured. You can speedrun it, you can long play it, you can go for different endings. I'm really concerned about the fact that they put three... MacGuffins in every level that you have to collect that make you go through every inch of every level before you continue. I'm not concerned about the new graphics. I'm not concerned about... Well, I'm a little concerned about the new boss fights. It's the fact that they completely changed the structure of the game. I don't need them to make a half an hour game, a 45 minute game, into two hours. I would, And I realize that... They have to sell this to a larger market okay. than me, but I don't need them to falsely expand it into a three-hour experience. Just reskin it and give me the options to play it how I always did. Or at least give me your version and then give me the original version and let me play that. Right. So we'll see what I feel when I actually get to it. But right. Those are my concerns. All right. Well, I wasn't as big as a hardcore fan as you, but I, I played it, and to me what was most important was, was the gameplay, and, and it plays like the original. I know that I know that I know the. But, but if they change the levels, it doesn't. Well, in terms of the actual controls, the controls to me were exactly the same. That's I, fair. I, know, I know the default is with the quote-unquote hard pogo off, but you can just enable it. Yeah, so, I would enable. And that's what I did. And, I, and, I, sure. and it was it's just as frustrating when you know maneuvering to the <laughs> you let it slip and you die. You know because you're on the spikes. Good, that's fine. Okay. Um, this is a very good question, and I, I get asked this often or something like this. This is from David, uh, who is at David. Snuzgrop, how high would you? And this is, I guess, directed towards both others. Me, how high would you consider going for the Panesian games to, com- to complete the collection? Fifty bucks each, forty, thirty. Uh, this is a question that asked me about something like statements, like what's my, 
limit. And again, it's coming from someone that has both NWC cards. To me, it's more principle though. If I wanted stadium events, I'd have it. If I wanted the Panitians, I'd have it. But what I'm, what am I comfortable spending on? I know that's insane that you get to this point, and I haven't bought a new Nintendo game in now two and a half, three years. Now, three years, about. You bought 250 Nintendo games from me like four months ago. Those were giveaways for the DVD. <laughs> and I'm not supposed to know that. I meant new games. <laughs> I meant games I don't own. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so, so um, I think I would spend, I hate to say it, it probably has gone up because for some reason, again, state events has gone up due to speculation. I would probably spend upwards of $400, 500 on state events. I would. I probably would. Would I spend more on that? No. But the, that's safe for you to say right now because you're never going to find it in that realm. You never know. I've gotten deals on stuff before. I got a pretty good deal. Um, it wasn't as good as deals would be now, but Magical Chase, I paid below. Okay, so that's that's not a you know. safe guess. You would pay 500 for stadium events if someone were to offer one to you. Now now that I'm thinking about it, I'm actually not as comfortable. I, I, I was more comfortable in three to 400 but I think I would. Okay. I think I would. What I'm just trying to make sure of is like, you know, if something's going for a thousand plus, it's easy to be like, well, I'd pay, you know, yes, because I'm never going to. Well, now it's going for like 1,500, 2,000. You know, so it's like, yeah. The Panesians is different. The Panesians are, 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 and this is one thing I try to talk about is that the Panesian games are like not as rare as any of the other rare games, but there's this secret cabal of people that own these that I wish I had hard evidence of. But I do hear stories of people owning multiple, and I mean several, complete Panesian oh, sets. Upwards of ten. There was a time where these games were uh, regularly traded on eBay for a hundred to a hundred and fifty dollars. You're talking complete. Yes, I'm talking complete. Yeah. And they're not anymore. I mean, obviously they're worth a shitload. I mean, I'm talking like in '99, 2000, when I contemplated getting Panesians. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't actually regret not doing it, but like. I could have done it. It would have been affordable. It's not now. So, yes, there is some, I think, there's some, some truth to what you're saying. There are people who are hoarding copies. This yes. just touches back to what we talked about. They earlier. got somehow to the distributors or the rental shops who had, for some reason, four or five. We'll just say probably the late 90s, early 2000s, they started getting around them all. They got really now expensive got... in like if 2001. You, if you go on eBay at any time, you won't find a loose state events, maybe only three, four, five times a year. Sure. At most. You'll always Complete. find... You'll always Absolutely. find Panesians. Always. Oh, I thought you were going to say... I, I, well, no, you, I mean, you'll always find Panesians. You can buy a, Pan, you can buy a <laughs> Panesian set tomorrow from someone. Right. That's the difference. I think I bid on a, a loose ones for the hell of it. The loose ones went for like six, 700 each. You know, something like that. Maybe a little more. That's one of those ones where the, the box complete isn't... It's not, not as huge a difference. The, the cases versus having a loose. But, uh, so how much would I pay for Panesians each? That's lower. I'd say, and plus, because I'd have to get three, maybe 250 to 300 each at most. Which seems to me like. That seems high. That, that's high well, that's higher about, than the estimate I expected you to give. I think I was going to say like 150, 200. I was going to say 150, yeah. Yeah, that's probably. That to me is how I rate it in terms of the rarity of, of how much the value is. Because again, there's not there's there's a there's a lot more than those than, say, a little Samson, I think, out sure. there. There's a lot more. Yeah. You know, I'll touch on this briefly. It won't be Pan Asian, so don't give a damn. But <laughs> you know, uh, an expensive Holy Grail game of mine that I'd love to have, uh, partially because it's fun, would be something like Sapphire, uh, which is a shooter for the PC Engine CD. Uh, regularly sells for about five hundred. 
I would pay two hundred for it, and that would be more than I'd pay I've ever paid for a video game in my life. Oh, huh. right. but yeah, I think two hundred. I I always say one hundred is my limit. I've never paid a hundred for a video game. I think for that one in particular, I would actually pay two. Okay. Next question from Gigaboots, who I think actually is one of the is, editors is, of yeah, Video Game Years. It's Dan. It's Dan. I know his last name. I will say. On a scale of eight to ten, this is more for you. On a scale of 8 to 10, how excited are you about a new Kajiro Technical Deception game yeah. being announced for the v Vita PS3? Uh, that would be 23 bananas. I'm pretty excited <laughs> about it. Um, I was never good at the original ones. I didn't like the first one a ton, but the second and the third ones were a lot of fun. Uh, setting up the traps and combos was great. Uh, I just think it's cool that they're I mean, bringing back a, 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 a title that I mean, no one has talked about ever and i think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out um on a modern system so yeah i'm excited about that and if you've never played the games they're they're dark i got them <laughs> play them asshole um, they're dark and they're great and the whole point i mean for instance in uh mission mode in one of the games two three like uh you know it's like hit the guy four times with four deadly traps and finish him off with a pendulum axe to, like, finish the level. And it's just, like, it's fun. You have invaders come fun. in. It's it's almost like an early... Diablo? No, there's an early... No, no, not nothing like Diablo. It's like an early attempt at, like, a... Kind of like a tower defense where you set oh, up traps. Oh, really? Yeah, you don't get waves, necessarily, but okay. you set up traps... And the you have to press them properly involved. so that you oh. yeah kill the intruders. You can't fight them. You have to use you the have to traps use other stuff. Oh, that's actually really cool. Yeah, it's really fun. I'll be sure to play that in five years. Um, <laughs> next is from Sean, who is at game underscore mana. This is for you. Since Superman is, is a, <laughs> a high moral good guy, would you say you can't make a dark Superman movie because he has no real faults? No, and I kind of... I, I kind of said this last podcast, you know, when people were busy being really upset at me. Um, you can do Dark Superman. You just can't screw with the character. It's totally fine well, to put... I mean, they, they there have been Dark Superman arcs. There have been... You can write a Superman story that is depressing, that is dark, that has people dying, as long as Superman is doing what he can to alleviate the situation, sure. which he did not do in Man of Steel. The next question is... Is it Crushes yet? Do we get to talk about Crushes? <laughs> no, it's coming up. Owen Garth, under, who's at Demon Owen Garth. Have you ever gotten scared playing a video game, and what game was it? Yes. Uh, I think My the scariest video game I ever played, and I, it's... Dude, guys, this is... Ladies, people, this is like a fucking $5 video game now. Go buy it. Uh, Condemned Criminal Origins for the Xbox 360. I always see that one. The fourth level... The whole game is freaking terrifying. But the fourth that? level uh, takes place in a department store, and there's mannequins, and it's not what you think is going to happen. It's just very unsettling. Just play that entire game with no lights on. What is it about? You're, you're a criminal? You're condemned? Is that what it is? Just You are framed for a crime that you did not commit, and then it gets supernatural. Oh. And it's for, here's, the, here's what I like about Condemned Criminal Origins. It's first person, okay. okay? Oh, great. I like that a lot better. There are almost no guns in the game. Good. Everything is hand-to-hand. -hand. There are guns, but almost everything is sledgehammers and fire axes and crowbars. 
meaning that you have to fight all the monsters up close and personal. It's a very good parry block attack system. Good. So I like that. So it's a scary game, but the the fights themselves in any other game would be scary too because they're very tense. On top of that, the storytelling is good, and the setting for all the levels is terrifying, and the last boss battle is one of the coolest boss battles that I've ever played in a game. The sequel is nowhere near as good, but honestly, it's a seven-hour game for $5. Oh. Just buy it and play it over the course of two nights. You will get your thrills. Or buy it at Luna if they have it. Yeah, I don't, because I always recommend the shit out of that game. I'm like, You remember the shit out of it. You want to plunge yeah. your fist up that shithole and... That, okay, well, that was unfortunate. <laughs> anyway, uh, have you ever been scared by a game? Oh, Doom. I, I mean, that's, oh, yeah, sure. that's the so pinkies, visceral. The, the, uh, the grumbling of the pinkies <laughs> kills me all... Yeah, every time. Because not just that. I mean, you're like... I know it's the cheapest trick in the book, but Doom invented it. You walk in... The room. Oh, the closet. oh, this room, there's nothing going on. The lights go off, yeah. the door slams, <coughs> you see doors rise, and the fucking pig monsters come and eat your face. Yep, my girlfriend still... Lo- I, I, it's I- scary as hell. I don't. It's still scary today, if you're not expecting it, because you feel helpless, especially if you if your shotgun, one shot reload, takes forever, yeah. and those pigs take two or three shots at least. I have to know. have Doom on something... Readily available at all times, and my girlfriend was watching me play Doom a couple months ago, and it just delighted her at how terrified I yes. still was. I wish this, that was still on the fucking Xbox Live. Of, the, of this ancient, well, Doom Two is, but of this ancient game. Why isn't Doom One? Um, Doom Three BFG Edition is like eighteen dollars now and has Doom One, Two, and Three. Oh, it is available. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's not not for download. You gotta go buy it. Uh, but I have the old CDs. I can just. I'll load. let you know if I got it. I have I CDs. It. I can do get DOS box. Go play it. it. Shut up. All right. Next question. Okay. I was gonna say yeah. Just Doom. It's still scary. Okay. Even Doom Three, as screwed up as that game was in terms of messing up some stuff, that was still scary to me. Sure. Okay. All right. This is from Helen, my friend Helen, who was at Gara of my desert. I always laugh at that name because I don't know what it means. It's funny. Hi, Helen. Who would be your first video game character crush and why? I have too many. I crush on far too many video game characters. <laughs> That's not surprising. Uh, the shopkeeper in Conquest of the Crystal Palace. Jesus Christ, he'd be more obscure. No. She's, <laughs> she's, she's really cute. The shopkeeper in Gunnack is pretty awesome. What? She's dreaming. Uh, oh, was she uh, one of the, the cute... Remember the first year we, we yeah, had the five hot yeah, hotties she's, she's up of the there. library? What were the five? It was her, it was Battletoads. You were obsessed with Gaia from... Uh, uh, Captain Planet. Oh, that's right. Uh, but my hot. my uh, my eternal video game crush is uh, Leona Hydern from King of Fighters, because she has blue hair. She's badass. Uh, she's the quiet type. And uh, <laughs> in one of her ultra specials, her hair turns red. She screams for bloodlust, and she stabs a grenade in the opponent's stomach, and then explodes it. She's so dreamy. She's so dreamy. That's really scary. Don't look at me like that again. Yours? Uh, mine is, is Cherry Grace from Top Secret Episode. <laughs> Just because, you know, I can't think of another NES game I had that had a female character in it besides, if you want to count, you know, uh, you know Zelda. Um, oh, yeah. I, should, I should probably point out that I love Princess Peach, too. My girlfriend gives me shit about it all the time. But when she's... Yeah, she's too prissy. But, um, <laughs> but Cherry Grace was like, you know, like a, like a Bond girl. And tops your episode. She exists and gives the information. Then you bang her as Duke Togo. And you get the banger. So how great is that? Your crush, you get the... And she had green hair. It was like 70s cut, you know, down there. Whatever. I, I don't know who else I had a crush on. It's hard. It, I can't remember. Like I said, there's not a lot of females in the, in the 80s in games. Sporty Princess Peach, man. Basketballer Peach. 
Basketball or Peach? Yeah, tennis Peach. From what? That's like the, the mid nineties. I mean, by then, yeah, if you have, if you have a crush by then, you should be crush, you should have a crush on one of those hentai game girls by that point. <laughs> I've had a crush on Leona since I mean the mid nineties. Whatever. We're talking about video game women. Okay. Next question. Um, what do you think of the Vita TV from Matt? We already talked about that. Oh, this is a good one. This is from Edward Janice at Janice Go. How do you feel about fakers? Guys that claim to be an expert retro gamer without even owning a single console. I haven't come across these guys as much as coming across sellers who think they're experts. But maybe you can answer that. You work in a game shop. Maybe you can answer that. Alright, so... I don't think it has to do with owning a console. Because some of the worst fakers I've known have, have owned consoles. If you play the games and you enjoy them, I don't care how you're doing it. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's really what it comes down to. I had a guy come in the one day and he wanted a couple of games that were somewhat rare and I pulled them out and he poured over the labels and he made sure that they were fine and he what were they? I don't even remember. Long story short, he didn't know how two of the games played. He was buying them oh, yeah. based on, he was buying them based on title alone. Okay. And then I went to clean them out with a Q tip and rubbing alcohol and he flipped his shit because the back of the label says, do not use rubbing alcohol or other solvents. <laughs> and I asked him because at this point he was driving me nuts. He was annoying me and he was obviously a faker. I said, how long have you been doing this? I've been doing this years, man. Oh yeah? How long have you been, how have you been cleaning your cartridges in the meantime? Classic, man. Just blowing them when they don't work. And I said, let me show you what happens when you blow on them. And I cleaned one and I pulled off. And I showed him, I said, this is moisture hitting metal. This is not opinion. This is science. And he just, he clammed up. So I don't care. Like I said, to to, to go with the direct phrasing, I don't think someone's a faker if they don't own a console. If they play the games and they like them and they know them, that's fine. But if you don't know what the hell you're talking about, no, I have no tolerance for you. Zero. Well, I have a story about a seller. Uh, a reseller. It's actually a nicer one. I, there's some nice ones and there's some not so nice ones in the flea market. But it's a nice one. But I, before he kind of knew, I guess, who I was. And it's weird how my discovery has been sort of gradual like this. At the swap meet, it's like this. And then all of a sudden that. And then now like everyone knows what what I am, what I do. Most of them. But trying to explain to me the first, like I say, four or five times, I, I, I play dumb because it's really funny to play dumb. And trying to explain, talking to some other guy, yeah, like that rare Nintendo uh, tournament game, you know, the one that has Excite Bike on it. You know, and it's just like, I, I, didn't, try, I, I didn't try to correct him. Like, oh, yeah, Excite Bike, yeah, that's one of the. That's one of those games, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's. Hell, I'd play a freaking Nintendo World Championship with Excite Bike. That'd be great. I would oh, love that. Great. Let's make one. Anyway. Um. We should probably draw to a close shortly. How many? We've got about five. Got? What do you think about Retron Five? This is from uh, at C Jonathan. Oh. I think it's a great concept. It mixes emulation with with a real system. I just have a problem that if it's only going to be HDMI out, that really it's blows. Not. It's, it's not. not. Is it no, going to be component not. out too? Yeah, they're showing the back. It's component out too. Then I'm going to get one. Um, I will get one. Yeah, my feeling on the Retron Five is is this is the clone system for people who take games a bit more seriously. I have no problem with clone systems. I sell a lot of them. People love the FC Twin. They never come back. They're reliable. People have no issues with them. But the thing is, is they're not 100% accurate. So what 
if Hyper can, can deliver... On they're claiming they're close to 100%. Yeah, they also claimed it was going to be out in August or September. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that as no, long neither, as they neither, get it right. Neither do I, but I'm just saying. All if, I know is if, I'm going to get one, and it's going to replace some of these systems. Yeah, I, I think this is, like I said, this is the, 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 the system for people who take their retro games a bit more seriously. Not just that. And it's the going, fact that you can play you know, the Game Boy Advance games well, that's, that's on, on your screen. That's why I want one. That's, that's why, really that, that's cool. That's the main reason I want one. And, and the Famicom The save states is cool. Save states is cool, but nothing is as cool to me as Game Boy on my TV without needing a GameCube and a Game Boy player. Sure. And a dedicated Fami slot that's true so I was, that I, was I don't need a top need loader to, to play tall cartridges with a with a, a, yeah. a, a, a converter. Or, or a honeybee you know. yeah that's what i'm saying with a, a tall cartridge with a converter i mean hell i have my twin famicom there i could get that out if i wanted to i don't think i have an ac adapter for me yeah i'm really happy to hear that i can pull it out because i wasn't going to get it was yeah no i i would have to double originally check, originally I, that's I, what i thought it was I, I thought, yeah i thought it was too and then i looked and there was like a mock-up of the back and it, shows, had, it had three it shows component yeah it shows the three and then it shows hdmi because if it was HDMI only, that would be like, what? The hell, how the hell would I put it on this TV here, though? You Which know, is like, when it's, where it's going to look best. Yeah, exactly. And plus, you can do the scan lines or whatever else you can have it. You I can sharpen it. Lines. If you have an LCD, you can sharpen it to make it look yeah. better or whatever. That to me is brilliant. That's like, that's the great use of the of the emulation technology, marrying it with you know physical hardware. I have no problem with that. Deliver it on at Hyperkin. We'll make you money. I plan on selling a shitload of those during the holidays if they I come out. I will buy one, and it's only going to be a hundred bucks. Yeah. Okay, next question. Um, this is from at N64 Retro Reviews. wonder what he does. Uh, <laughs> are there any games that you, that you guys think should have had a sequel and did not? Uh, where the hell is another Gogo 13 uh, game? It's only the, one of the most popular fucking manga in Japan's history, and there hasn't been a game in 20 years, which is ridiculous. So where, where's that? What about you? Um, okay, so... I'm not counting the arcade games, by the way. No, I mean, at the base level, no. If something didn't get a sequel, it's probably for a good reason. Games that I would like to see sequels to, I would love to see another Fire Pro. I've had Fire Pro on the brain like yeah. crazy lately, and I know they've Do you still have stuff. a copy that you got from me that I let you borrow? you still have it back? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah we should do Creator Wrestlers. We should play. Why Why wouldn't they? You think that that'd be a downloadable copy? Well, they, they it wouldn't, it wouldn't be that they, hard. They made one. No, the they, crappy one, though. They made I mean, one for the 360 that involves a bunch of in-app purchases for costume and move content. So, eat a dick on that one. But, yeah, I mean I mean a true sequel to Fire Pro. If they came out with one that was, like, say, $20 to download and just looked a hell of a lot better, made it, maybe they make it... They still can use sprites and make it look 3D-ish, you know, like with the sprites, you know. Maybe have it. You can go to all four corners of the ring, except for the you know the two, you know, being being, being thrown into. That'd be cool, you know, yeah. stuff like that. No, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm never wanting for a sequel if the first game was good enough because I know that sequels oftentimes can turn out poorly. So when a sequel comes out, I look forward to it and I try it. But there's nothing that I'm like demanding a sequel. I would think to. that Fire Pro would be a series that you could. I mean, that's why for a lot of years there was a, there was a sequel almost every other year. And or every year because they can just do incremental it updates. Never, it was never that that frequent, but two years, about. No, it was like four. All right, we'll read this. Between two, six yeah. man and G, between G and D, between D and so Z. So two each. Lots of years. It's two each. Ninety six, ninety eight, two thousand, two thousand two. About. Yamada. All right, continue. Yeah. Okay. Um, or are either of you look? This is from. NY underscore native eighty nine. Are either of you looking forward to GTA five? I think it's going to be cool. I, I I'm fa these are the most <clears throat> say what we want about GTA, but it's the games that really try to push the envelope in terms of the tech 
in terms of what you, in terms of what a video game is of mostly any of the game in the past 10 years G, the GTA series has been the ones pushing it GTA 3 was a huge game in terms of uh, trying to push the scope of what a game is and with 5 it's supposedly even more ridiculous the shit you can do in this game so I have no problem with, with this at all and I, 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 I should buy it and have time to play it because it looks cool I'll piss people off this I don't give a shit about <laughs> GTA 5 uh, there's my opinion as fact um <laughs> It's going to be awful. No, it's not going to be awful. It's actually probably going to be really good. I think that there's a lot of interesting things that they're doing. I think the three concurrent storylines that you can jump between is a very cool idea. Um, I think if they can... If they overcome some of the issues people had with 4, which is that the world was smaller than San Andreas yes. and also felt less interactive I mean, in certain bigger. ways, it will be. Um, then I think it's going to be fine. My problem with GTA games and open world games in general is that by giving you so many options they feel really restrictive and boring in the end because really what do most people do with a game that open you either focus in on storyline or you screw shit up for as long as you possibly can before the cops arrest you there's not a lot of true freedom in those games you can walk off that street mm -hmm. but it doesn't it, they, they just they don't hold my interest on top of that i have played some very violent games and i like very violent games but GTA thematically just doesn't do it for me. I haven't played Saints Row 4 yet, but if I was going to play a GTA-type game, I would do Saints Row 4, which is tongue-in-cheek and more comedic. Well, that, that's the funny thing, because to me, the story is the least interesting part about these games. I'm playing it for... Sure. I, I love open-world games. I, Go, see, I don't. That's, that's, that's the, the difference. I, going yeah. back to Privateer, I... I the but, but, no, but see, I like I like open world like Privateer, like Lightspeed, like Skyrim. I know you're gonna say you're gonna say these. You can play these forever without probably completing the quest though, and do whatever you want. These are the type of games you can get lost in and just explore. You can watch TV on the in the game in the game. Like it's weird, you know. Yeah, I just I feel like you can play tennis. You can do yoga. GTA gives you two separate games, whereas I feel like games like what you have mentioned give you multiple as multiple things to focus on. GTA is storyline or screw shit up, and that sure. and, and, and that and there's it, side missions, right? But but it, to me, but that's side, but that's privateer as well. There's storyline and then there's side missions and do whatever you want. Maybe it's yeah, that's maybe maybe thing. it is theme. I mean, I'm willing to admit that. Maybe thematically, I would just prefer space colonization or trading over sure. you know you know shooting shit up. Um, and before anyone thinks I'm a I'm terrible, a, yeah. I, 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 I'm a, I'm a, a low life or anti-violent games. I mean, I love things like Killer Seven and uh, you know Hotline Miami, which are hyper violent. It's it's not the violence; it's just that GTA games always got super boring super quick. The Hotline, okay, that's that's fair enough. I mean, I played three for a while. I never owned it, but I played three. And you're right; it got to a point where after the you know twelve, thirteen mission, it was the same shit. Drive yeah, around, it's just... drive around, cause havoc. But I think now they're at the point where they're a lot more advanced. The fact that you can go in the buildings and do shit well, like that, fingers you know, that's, crossed, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. that's to me is more fascinating. Now it really is open world. Four was getting there. Like four was a bridge between three and obviously three and five. I know that sounds stupid, but now in five, I think they're finally realizing this is what's going on. This is like this is what we wanted this to be. It took 12 years, and now we're here. Um, uh, Chris Brewer asks, how do you rock so hard? It's the hair. Natural. Uh, Cody Holland, Bearded Gamer 93 asks, what do you think of people writing off Nintendo because of the drop in stock and the low sales of the Wii U? Why are people... This is like people that, that get into... <laughs> 
like the box office box office takes of movies. Why do you care unless you're buying the stock? Why do you give a shit about the stock price of a company you're not invested in? Why do you why do you it's why do you why do you look at it as a competition for it? it doesn't make any sense. Nintendo has enough money that they could tank for the next thirty years and they'll be okay. It's sad you know? to me that there are so many people who are still caught up in fanboyism that they have to look for every reason to not come in. Now, is the Wii U doing horribly? Yes. Is the 3DS doing magnificently? Yes. This, to me, sounds a lot like Nintendo, um... Basically, always. (laughs) Uh, their consoles, since the Super Nintendo, have not done fantastically. Their handhelds have. Now, yes, the Wii U is in a worse position before someone points it out, because someone will. This is worse than the N64 GameCube Air. The Wii U is doing bad, but... Nintendo's not dead. Nintendo's not making iPhone apps anytime soon. <laughs> and I feel like the people who are quick to pounce on it simply just don't like Nintendo. Yeah. I like... And here's the thing. I love Nintendo. I have a 3DS. I think the 3DS, and I honestly mean this, I think the 3DS, portable or not, is one of the best video game systems to be released in the past decade. It really is. Just with the, the variety that, that is there and the portability, it's fantastic. I wish the Wii U was doing better. I'm interested in the Wii U. It will do better. It will. Well, I mean, it, it, it the, might. No, see, here's where we might no, differ. No, no. I really do think the Wii U is in a dangerous spot. I just don't give a shit that it's doing badly. Like, I, I don't, I'm not going to jump on Nintendo because the Wii U's it's not, not going to do it. Well, let's, put it, let's put it this way. The, the Wii was so hugely successful, it's not going to get close to that. It, right. it can't. Right. The Wii, the Wii basically, uh, Opened up gaming to a whole new market that wasn't there before, and I, and I don't think people really appreciate <laughs> really appreciate what what that meant at the time. But besides besides but that, Nintendo didn't either, and that's why they're in trouble now. No one else is going to buy another console. They got what they Nintendo's boon in sales from the Wii. Everyone who wants a Wii has it. They're not well, going to buy the Wii. Well, that's a marketing problem though, because half right. of the people don't know it's a new freaking no, system. Yeah, they, they don't. They still that's think, their they problem. They still think it's a new controller. But when I was going to parties in 2008, and people yeah. people are playing Wii bowling <laughs> and doing you know dance, uh, you know dance was a dance central. Is that the one? Which one is it? The, whatever. The fucking the point is, is you're going to parties now. And people are playing video games like adult parties. Yeah. That never happened before. You know what I mean? We're talking. We're not talking like with your guys. We're talking girls. You know, like these. Hey, let's play Nintendo Wii. Like that is huge. And you can say, well, they're casual gamers. It doesn't matter. They're gamers now. I'm, you know, I'm, they're into it. I'm going to say something inflammatory again. Again, well, that's 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 like my hair. I feel like, I feel like people who really want to trash on Nintendo for the Wii U not doing well. And by the uh, way, the 3DS uh, didn't do well the first year either. There was no software the first year for the 3DS. I'm sorry. We I, once again, the Wii U is in a much worse spot than the 3DS. They dropped the price on the Wii U way too late. But still, my problem is most of the people who want to trash on the Wii U are ex-bros who play Call of Duty and they just want to see it do do poorly. It just it's Nintendo's going to be fine. They're not dead. They're not going anywhere. They're not tanking. If they have a bad console generation, well, maybe, hopefully, fingers but- crossed, they'll figure it out next console generation. I, I, the, I the 3ds will carry them. 
that's the whole thing. It's like they're not gonna. They're not gonna. Do people forget that Sony as a corporation is losing billions of dollars? Right. That's the thing. Like the <laughs> PS4. I, I, <laughs> you know? I, I, like I, I'm, I'm on a bit of the Sony kick. I like my Vita, and I, I will buy a PS4 sometime next do people, year. When I do, people use, forget that Sony is Sony is bleeding money. Sony's not a video game company. They are a technology company, and Nintendo is a video game company. Sony is much closer what? to death than yeah. than, than no. Nintendo is, or it probably ever will be. My, Microsoft's a software company. Nintendo's a video game company. Sony's a tech company out of all those three the safest one is the one that focuses on what it's selling to right. me yeah. be- be- because they have they still have the strongest the strongest first party titles and nintendo can live off of that alone if, if, if they well, if, and, if, and they have less overhead microsoft less overhead. has everything to worry about yes. sony has everything to worry about nintendo has the 3ds and the wii u to worry about yeah. if the 3ds no, is doing well the 3ds then, is doing then, fine then the wii u can and the wii u fuck is- off and but we, when Smash comes out, they're gonna get a lot more people buying it. Then I'm not saying it's gonna make up. Well, no, see, I, I no. would also. When I, I'm less rosy about this than you are, although we're basically. I'm not saying it's gonna be great. It's you know, like, but, they put it on both platforms because they realize the Wii U's not doing super well. They but no, they they didn't. They announced it when they announced the Wii U was gonna be on both. Though they, this wasn't a decision that they, they going back. They wanted to do this. Cross I still feel like thing. that's hedging their bets, and I'm glad they did because Portable Smash is gonna be a lot of fun. But I still feel like releasing your flagship title that usually moves systems on both systems is hedging your bets. They still have the Mario. The Mario Cross is gonna come out. They still have a, you know. There's, they'll have another Zelda that'll come out. They're, they'll have, they'll have stuff coming out. They're, they're gonna be fine. I'm just I'm just annoyed that you know stuff like again GTA Five. That should be on the Wii, and, yes, and Nintendo Wii should be U. throwing money on at them to even pour over a shitty version to get it on the Wii U. That's that when I when I when I covered it with Rue way back, I said, I said, well, listen, why would you, would you want to play on the PS3 or on the Wii U, or you have a cool little tablet with a map on there? And all my head with all the possibilities of what you can do, the possibility of playing Call of Duty with, with your friend and being a gunner and going behind you and shooting at stuff behind you. You can't do that in the PS3 or or, or the 360. Yes, you can do that on the PS4 with the Vita. That's what they're trying to turn. They're it trying into. to do it, but Wii U was first with it. That's the whole point. Yeah, it's but it doesn't matter if, if one has a bigger install base. Anyway, anyways. You see my point though. Yes, is I, that I do see your point. The potential for the Wii U and still is is still still bigger because of that tablet. I still yeah, feel N- that. Nintendo, if they can just get it in enough homes, Nintendo will do enough fun things with it to make it worthwhile for the people who own it. Cool. All right. Next question. These are, these yeah, this is more I generic. Gotta, so. I got to crash soon. <laughs> Uh, retro Gaming Expo asks, what do you think is the future of retro uh, gaming cons? Is growth a good thing or a bad thing? It's a great thing. It's more exposure. No, I mean, it, it, retro yeah. gaming conventions definitely a good thing. And the thing about retro gaming conventions is if you have a good one with a good base of people who have been going for a long time, um, they are going to keep people who want to monetize it in check. When you have yes. when you have five sellers selling things at the right price and one seller trying to gouge, that seller's not going I've already to come seen back or he's going to drop his prices. I've already seen it. He'll so, realize i got to drop it. So in that regards, I do believe that, yeah, the growth of something like not that is Not just that. It's, it's people meeting like-minded people and yeah. having fun, which is what it's all about. Uh, this is from Amir Netzler asks, what is your thoughts on Super Nintendo RPGs? That's for you. No, it's uh, not. I don't like the Super Nintendo. Not at all. Oh, I, I've I've only played a few. I I love Chrono Trigger. I haven't played it since college, but Chrono Trigger is great. That's really a question for Rue. Uh, a couple more only. This is from Scrooge DWS S. Uh, Pat, ever thought about collecting Famicom games that were never released in North America? 
No, just because there's <laughs> enough crap I have already, and it's hard to get into. What now? I'm gonna collect the four five hundred games that came out in Japan down here. You know what I mean? Like, I give it three it. years. He will. He'll no. run out of things to collect. I'm, here. I'm I'm struggling with whether I collect for the master system. I mean, I have a lot of the cool accessories and stuff, but should I go for the rest of the U.S. games on that? So no, I'm not thinking. About it. I have some, but. And plus, you know, honestly, if I want to play them, I hate to say it, I got the Power Pack, which I, my Power Pack has every Famicom game on it. Rekka! So, this is from The Real Newark, as in Newark, New Jersey, I guess. What was the last NES game you played that wasn't for a video? How about for Ian? Um, the last one I played wasn't for a video. Well, that was probably for our project we're working on, and for me, it was Cyberball. <laughs> what about you, Ian? <laughs> Uh, and Cyberball's not a good game. Okay, it was for the project, and it was... They were both crap. Which one did I play last? Uh, let's just go with Adam's Family. I think Adam's the Family? last one that I played. The platform, what'd you yeah. think? Decent? Uncommon game. <laughs> um, no, it, I mean, it, it had some promise. It was fun to kind of explore the mansion, but uh, there's a lot of like cheap and instant like hits, deaths that you can't avoid... And uh, it's just really fucking generic. It's basically a Mario clone as Gomez. Well, yeah, yeah, but not a good Mario powers. clone. Well, I guess, I guess Beetlejuice will be up for your next... <laughs> well, this has been a fun podcast. So again, thanks guys. This is the second one. We'll do it again in two weeks, hopefully. Hopefully with DuckTales. But yeah, check out the... Pub- Play Diablo 3! Oh, that was a question I think someone has about Diablo 3, what, what we thought about it coming out for, for the PlayStation. But, but Ian loves it. So I'll, I'll say this. I haven't played a Diablo in a long time. I think that its transition to console is fantastic. It makes it more of a game. It's not just click, 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 click. You actually move around with direct control. The dodge is nice. Um, I really enjoy it. I'd like to get a little bit further into it. Uh, there's a pretty meaty demo out. If I can get Pat to take two hours to check it out, maybe we'll discuss it more later. Okay. Cool. Uh, so yeah, thepunkeffect.com, seeking new contributors. The, the post is on the page there for how to submit um, your, your your written reviews, video reviews. I'll start taking a look next week. The site will be reskinned. Wow, it's been way too long since I... It's been like two years overdue to do that. So that'll be cool. And so yeah, and we'll announce officially the, the NS Marathon next week sometime in terms of what we have going on. But it'll be like last year with perks. You can control what we play. I can eat a, a, a burrito shirtless. No. Whatever I can do. You can't, because then you'll be flying solo. You went through two beers during the podcast? Really? You're... I could have gone through more, but this is all you had in your fridge for two years. All right, so Ian's going to get it before I, before I officially end the podcast. Bye, Ian. Bye. We'll see you in two weeks, guys. Thanks a lot.